it is a it is a quieter morning this morning in the house, but that is a, that is okay. Jesus is still here, Amen. And we're still going to get into a word this morning. You know, I thought, uh, should I do one of those um, pastor things and just change the whole message and just use rugby analogies the whole morning? I don't know if you saw any of those videos on Instagram going around. We oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've got, a, I've got a message that I want to share with us this morning uh, on, a, on, a, on a particular topic that I felt God has placed on my heart uh, for this season. But before I do that, uh, I want to just take a moment and clarify or set the context for Heart for the House. So if you've been part of the Father's House journey for a while, or if you've been following us on our social media accounts, you'll know that today is what we call Heart for the House Sunday at Father's House Churches. That's all the Father's House Churches across South Africa, and I wanted to take a moment and just clarify for us what that is and what it isn't. Uh, Heart for the House is something that a lot of churches do, both nationally and internationally. Churches like Hillsong, for example, also call it Heart for the House. Uh, and it's a well-known practice, actually, that, that churches roll out in one way or another based on their uh, congregation and season. And the best thing that you can equate it to is a fundraiser. That's basically what it is. And just like any nonprofit organization would have various fundraisers throughout, uh, throughout the year, sports event of some kind, a, a, a fate, a market day, or whatever it is, um, they, they, they do something to enlist donors, sponsors, right, for that organization, to support the cause of that nonprofit organization. Same thing in church. Uh, we just call it Heart for the House. And the way that it works is just like any sort of non-profit would, the, the, the monthly income of the church, that covers the operational or running costs of, of, the, of the non-profit. So electricity bills and salaries and rent and Wi-Fi and insurance, all the basic stuff is covered by the normal income. The capital expenses, however, so buying new speakers or equipment, uh, other equipment or building renovations or starting a new ministry, those things come out of additional funding of some kind. And for us as churches, that is called Heart for the House. It's a contribution that goes towards a specific goal that the organization or church has set to further its mission. Now, in Father's House, Mandela Bay, we've been running Heart for the House now for about six years. Uh, and we've seen some phenomenal things happen as a result of that. Things like the 144 chairs that we're sitting on right now. Father's House, J-Bay comes out of Heart for the House. That was not a monthly income thing. That was 150,000 rand that we needed to buy chairs to start a church in J-Bay. That's what Heart for the House produced, right? It's a pretty big deal. And, you know, planting a church, it costs money, right? <laughs> These things don't happen for free. Um, and Heart for the House also has a strong social outreach component through courses like Work for a Living. The Red Band Barista Academy, this is Father's House's efforts outside of a Sunday to impact the community that we're in. And all of that comes from and is funded by this initiative that we call Heart for the House. Please go and watch on YouTube the clip that Ryan LaRue does on the Father's House Lever Foundation. It will blow your mind to see the impact that Father's House, this church that we're part of, has globally. I mean, everything from starting barista academies in Uganda to having international coding tournaments with high school kids. It's phenomenal what our church is actually, what your church, what our church has been able to do. Um, and like we said throughout all the years, the Heart for the House offering is not something compulsory. It's not something for everyone that you have to participate in, of course. 
But often throughout the year, we'll get businessmen and businesswomen in the church that go, hey, you know what? I am a regular giver. That's my continued normal tithe and offerings. But I have some funds available at the end of the business year. What do I do with it? Is there something specific that I can put it towards? Now, if we don't have a well-structured plan for that, that's a missed opportunity, number one. And we're not honoring the person that has this gift, that has this contribution that they want to make, right? Romans 12, in fact, the Apostle Paul literally mentions the gift of giving. It's literally mentioned there. And while the gift of giving is, 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 is different to generosity, I mean, we don't need a spiritual gift to be generous, right? That's just a good principle. Um, there is this noteworthy part of why Heart for the House exists. And so that's why we've structured it one Sunday a year, the last Sunday of October, which is today. And you'll find the brown envelopes on your seats that have got all the details for that. And um, this is our opportunity to share on what we want to trust God for as, as, as far as the plans for Father's House J-Bay go for the, next, for the next cycle. Contributions to Heart for the House happen throughout the year. It doesn't all obviously come into the account this Sunday. So you can, you know, set something small aside each month and do one EFT of 300 Rand next year in June. It's irrelevant. The amount's irrelevant. The date's irrelevant. The, the, the principle is that we're investing something over and above normal giving into building the kingdom. That's it. That's the principle. And I had a little joke here <clears throat> to mention, but I, uh, should I? We're investing into the kingdom share price, not the share price of other companies, SAB, um, and others. That's very cheeky. That's very cheeky. Sorry. Sorry. We're literally investing into building the church. Amen. And if that contribution, you probably heard Pastor George mention this thing called kingdom investors. If that contribution is 1,000 rand a month or more, or 12,000 rand for the year, that group of people is called kingdom investors. Often, people in that category like to add some insight add some experience into the decision-making of the church. Like, hey, should we continue renting this building or should we offer to buy it? Some guys have expertise in that, right? And, and that, that team of people gets invited to a dinner. Once a year, we get to chat around some ideas around the table and plan things for what we want to do. Does that make sense? And so for the contributions, we often get asked this question, how does it work? You simply transfer something into the normal Father's House JBA bank account that's on the white envelopes on your seats and just reference Heart for the House or H. Number four, TH, Heart for the House, or you pay it into the National Heart for the House account and reference JBay. That's it. Simple as that. By the way, uh, many businessmen and women uh, like to also contribute skilled labor, manual labor, something that they can do with their hands as their Heart for the House contribution. You know, they say, hey, sure, I can donate something financial, but I'd actually like to use my business, my, my Monday to Friday work to 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 do something practical around the venue. And I'm sure you probably know that we've seen some incredible contributions by our Father's House J-Bay members in terms of literally building everything from coffee bars to parents' lounges to kids' church, picket fences, all of that's all part of Heart for the House. And so once a year, in all the Father's House churches, we're going to report back on what that looked like, now that I've set the context, uh, what we've spent and what we're believing for for next year. You guys with me on that? So since the 1st of November last year, which is when the Heart for the House cycle starts, up to the 29th of October this year, there were, there were some separate amounts that came in before that, specifically for the generator and things, and there will hopefully be a few more between now and the end of the month. But we received a total of 90,746 rand. I think it's going to be on the screen. That was our, that was our total Heart for the House uh, income for the, last, for the last cycle. And from that, we purchased the following coffee bar, 
sink, the taps, the filter coffee machine, the plumbing, everything that went around there. There's the list up on the screen. I'm not going to go through it all. We've got the light box signing outside. We furniture for the guest lounge, which will hopefully be up and running soon. Kids' church doors. Total spend of 89,378 rand. So for the last cycle, we've got 1386 available to spend and ca or carry over into the new cycle. And for 2024, for the next cycle, we're believing God for the following. There's the list up there. You can go through the items. If you'd like, coffee shop decor, speaker, kids' church picket fence, burglar bars, sliding door. How cool would it be to have a sliding door that goes out to the front on like a big open deck for summer with a bri, new entrance? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, but that would be really cool. It would actually increase the number of entries into the building, which is quite important. But our dream list there, total of 108,000 rand for the next cycle. That's it. That's what we've had. That's what we've spent. That's what we believe in God for. And together I celebrate and thank God for and with those who have sowed into the church and its dreams for 2023. And I stand in faith and gratitude with those who will be sowing into the dreams for 2024 with us. Can we thank the Lord together for the privilege of sowing into his kingdom? Amen. So uh, are you guys okay with it? Do we all survive? <sighs> the visitors in church are like, oh, we're talking about money again in church. Well, you've come on probably the most difficult Sunday of the year for that. So well done on surviving it. Thank you for, for not walking out or throwing a cabbage at me or something. But for the rest of, this, of, our, of our time together this morning, church, and with that being said, I wanted to dive into a, something of a shortened message today to give us some, you know, just some space for the heart for the house component. It's going to be a standalone message this morning, not part of a series yet. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about something that I felt God has been placing on my heart for quite some time, actually. And it sort of ties into the heart for the house concept of today in that it involves the people with whom you are surrounded by right now. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about the value of the church. The value of the church in today's world. It's a bold topic, I know. But my hope is that by the end of the message this morning, you will have found a renewed appreciation for the value of church. That's going to be my goal. Church being the body to which you belong, both individually and corporately, in the sense that you will not only feel the value of church renewed in your own heart for your local church, but that you'll also be able to carry that value with you and share it with others so that they might also come to appreciate this incredible thing that we are, that we are a part of. That'll be my goal for today. And I guess thinking about the context of this, of this conversation um, and why this is important. You know, if we're, if we're honest, um, and, just, and just by the way, this is not going to be, you know, um, a dig at or, a, or an attempt to increase church attendance through, you know, manipulation or going after the backsliders. You know, you guys remember that terminology in church? Not at all. That's not the way Jesus did it. I, I rather want to refine our view on what church is. But if we're honest, the role of the church in society has changed over the last couple of years, drastically. It's not the same role as it was 100 years ago, even 20 years ago. And if, and if, we're, if we're really honest, the, the, the value of church perhaps is even depreciated in the eyes of society over time. Is that, a, is, that a, is that too honest of a thing to say? Things that people associate church with aren't what they associate church with or used to associate church with 20 years ago. People's expectations of church is not the same as they were 
a couple of years ago. The role that people think or assume church should play in society has changed over time. Think back to what even things like high schools were like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. The role of the church has changed in the eyes of people. And there's a few very big and important factors, obviously, as to why that is. And we're not going to go into a full uh, you know, exposition on, on, on church history and, and, and the times and the cultures that we live in. But rather, let's acknowledge that if we allow those factors to gradually seep into our thinking about church, eventually it changes our behavior. And once it changes our behavior, we get left with this distorted view of what church is. We have this, we get left with this diluted view and reality of something that is far off from what it was designed to be. Can anyone relate to what I'm saying? You know, you might often hear things said like, you know, I'm a Christian, but church really isn't for me. I prefer to work my faith out on my own. Some people say things like, yeah, you know, I used to go to church when I was growing up, but kind of lost interest and left and haven't been back since. You know, or people will simply say things like, we're not very churchy people. Anyone ever heard someone say that? Anyone ever said that themselves? If you have, welcome to church. How's the churchiness feeling? <laughs> you know, or people will say things like, yeah, I tried the whole church thing, but I got hurt by church. So yeah, I'm kind of not really too keen on the whole idea of what church is. Um, just on that one point, by the way, this point of church hurt, if we're honest, as Christians, yes, that did and can still happen. Church hurt is real. And we have had some role to play as Christians, as leaders, as denominations in the misalignment of what the biblical idea of church is and what the human society experience version of church is that we've represented to the world. We've, we've got some part to play. Church hurt is real. And oftentimes it's been caused by us, right? Very, very honest this morning. Is that okay? Are we still, are we still we working? I think we should just own up to the fact that yes, us as Christians, we have messed up and we've caused some hurt for people. But here's the thing. Over time, through church hurt and those other factors that I mentioned, the picture of what it is gets a little distorted. And we're, and we're, and we're left with this feeling of disconnection between faith in God on the one hand and being present and with other believers in community on the other. There's this disconnect. I've got faith in God, but I'm not plugged into a local community. And I felt on my heart for quite a while that, that I should take a moment and even as I journey through this myself and, and kind, kind of figure this out, share just a little bit on what I feel the Lord is laying on my heart and speaking to me about on the actual picture of what church is. And it's something that actually holds immense value in God's eyes. It holds eternal value, in fact. So otherwise, if we don't do that, if we don't go back to the original design, we get left with this misconception and people get left looking backwards at what was instead of looking forwards at what can be when they imagine church. You know, I heard this saying recently, and this has actually sort of partly fueled my motivation on sharing this message with you this morning, but church is not a museum in memory of Jesus. It's an embassy that represents the reign of Jesus. Church is not a museum in memory of Jesus. It's an embassy that represents the reign of Jesus. And I, I don't want us to forget that or miss it in light of other things that creep in and that contaminate what is so, so pure. And so this morning, friends, I want to have an attempt at something of a mini reset for us, uh, 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 a, little, a little realignment 
a little chiropractic visit, you know, get the realignment done. In terms of from a biblical perspective, what church is and the value it plays and should play in society so that we have a deeper appreciation for what it is. Are you with me on that this morning, church? Should we have a look at a few key scriptures on this topic? And from there, I'm going to share what I call three reset statements. Three reset statements to help refine the value of church for us personally and collectively as we share what we know to be true with others. So let's, let's firstly, if you're the note-taking type, you might want to take this down just to define what church actually is, the word church. The Greek word used in the New Testament for church is the word ecclesia. It literally means the gathering of the called out ones. The gathering of the called out ones. I love that, I love that definition. The gathering of the called out ones. Consider that in light of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. It says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. That's so beautiful. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Point number one, friends, the people are the church. The people are the church. This is, this is a very important one to understand. Um, you know, when we say we are going to church, the normal implication is I'm going to get into my car and drive to the corner of Jeffrey Street and Dana Drive for the service to start at 9 a.m., Right? 9 a.m. <clears throat> the service starts at 9 a.m. Sorry, did I stutter there? I don't know why I did that. Um, feeling so mischievous, I'm sorry. We say that my family is going to church, right? That's a societal understanding of church. But the biblical understanding of church is not my family is going to church, but I'm going to my church family. God's people. My family's not going to church. I'm going to my church family. Church may happen in a building, but it functions as a people. Do you guys see the, see, see, see the importance of that? It's not closed during the week. The building, sure, but they live and breathe every moment of every day. This is why the book of 1 Corinthians says that, we, it says that church is a body. We read about church being a body, the body of Christ, in fact. It's a living, breathing, functioning thing. Church may happen in the building, but it functions as a people. You see, this, this, this changes how we view things, right? It changes how we view things around that whole topic of church here too. Especially, you know, uh, you will never have a perfect church because you and I are there. <laughs> and we are not perfect. Amen. So, so, so when we say that the church hurt me, we should remember that people hurt me. And that can and does happen outside of the church building too. And, 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 and we should not neglect to fulfill our calling as the church because we had a bad encounter with another imperfect person in the building. Can you say amen to that? You know, I, I'm, if I could just go a little bit more into this for, for one second. I like to think of it this way. Um, this might encourage either someone here or someone listening online or maybe you know someone that you might encourage this with. But I like to think of it using this analogy. Some of you have probably heard this before. Suppose you get asked by a friend to go join a spinning class at gym. All right? You're getting in your summer body, December shape, 
shredding for the wedding, whatever you want to use. But your friend says, come join me. So you walk in the door, everyone stares at you as if like, what's up with this newbie? You know, they look, look, look at the clothes they're wearing. They don't look like they know what they're doing. So you're ready, you're a bit like, okay, feeling a little bit out. And as you get on the bike, the instructor storms in and just screams at you for 45 minutes, screaming, yelling, telling you to do things you don't want to do and can't even do. You know, stand up on the bike, cycle like Lance Armstrong. That's a bad example. Um, <laughs> cycle like a good cyclist. Uh, and at the end of this ordeal, everything you've gone to, they still demand that you pay them something. Now, that's not a lack of experience, but here's the thing. Does that mean exercise is bad for your body? Yes. yes. No, well, <laughs> help me here, people. No. No, it doesn't mean that exercise is bad for your body. It just means you had a bad instructor. So I guess what I want to say to you, friends, is please don't give up on or throw shade on, to use a colloquial modern-day expression, the body of believers to which you belong. Because you're talking about your family when you do. You just had a bad instructor. Please don't give up on what's good for you. Ephesians 2, that says this, So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of God's household, <laughs> built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. You see the picture there. Church is the place, in fact, where healthy Conflict and godly forgiveness should be modeled to the rest of the world. <laughs> and by the way, if we're considering this picture of church as the people and church being a family that, we, that our family goes to, it means that our view should be one of contributors, not only consumers. Does that make sense? If your family organizes a bra, what's your natural response? What's your first response going to be? Oh, cool. How much free stuff can I get while I'm there? I mean, if you're a student, I see you, brother. I see you, sister. I was there too, you know. But not usually, right? No, you usually ask, what can I bring? What can I bring? That's because you value your family, right? You want to be a contributor. You want to bring something to the table so that everyone can enjoy something and no one's left out. What does that mean for the church? 1 Corinthians 14. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together for a bring and bra, each one has a hymn. A teaching, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Bring something. Everything is to be done for building up. You bring something when you gather as the church. You bring a word of encouragement. You bring a service of some kind. You bring a spiritual gift. You bring a financial offering. You bring something to the family as part of the family that you value. You know, I've often wondered growing up and even considering my own views on, of church at a stage, if we had more contributors than consumers, in other words, people that believe they go to their church family, not just to a building, how different would the church look? How, how effective would its ministry be in the world? And if you think about it, it's the same principle that applies in the workplace. These biblical principles transfer. Business owners, you'll know exactly what I mean by this. If you have a staff of people that are there 
because they're getting a paycheck at the end of the month, you'll have one level of motivation, right? But if you have staff, if you have people who are sold out to the vision of the company, you'll have a whole other level of motivation in your workplace. You'll get problem reporters on the one hand and problem solvers on the other. You want to know what the difference is? Problem reporters, they're helpful, right? It's good to know where the problems are and when they arise. But problem solvers, they are promotable. Problem reporters are helpful, but problem solvers are promotable. And my encouragement to us this morning is, as the people of God collectively, let's refine the value of what it means to be part of a church family and bear in mind the importance of being a contributor, a problem solver, not only a consumer. Amen? And by the way, um, I just want to say on this point, and, and it's important that I just mention this because I don't want people to listen to what I'm not saying. If you know, We know that every single one of us goes through a season where we just need to sit in church and receive for a while. Anyone been there when it's hard to raise your hands in worship? I can be honest and say, yeah, that's been me. Sometimes for quite a few months. I experienced really bad burnout, depression. I understand it. And I want you to know that as your father's house family, we are committed to standing alongside you and holding up your hands for as long as you need to until you can stand alongside someone else and hold their hands up when they go through a similar season. We're here to walk along what alongside one another. Amen? And that's okay. That's okay. Number one is the people of the church. Number two, friends, the purpose of the church. Do you know why the church exists? If someone had to ask you tomorrow what the purpose of the church is, why the church exists, what would your response be? What would you say? Here's what Paul, uh, sorry, Peter, the apostle would say. This was his response. First Peter 2, 4-5. As you Come to him, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God. You yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood. To what? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9. Chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may Proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you see the purpose? According to Peter, we are called to worship God. That's us. We've been called to go into all the world. That's our great commission, right? Matthew 28. Notice commission. It's always about being members of the same body, not alone. But our purpose is to glorify God by worshiping Him. Our mission is to go. Our purpose is to praise. That's what we should do. And here's the thing, you know, people are naturally drawn to worship something. That's, that's how we've been made, right? People worship all kinds of things. Not necessarily in the sense of, you know, raising our hands in worship like we do in church. Although if you go to a music concert, very hard to tell the difference, you know. Worshipping to Blink-182, but not Hillsong on a Sunday. Anyway, people, but people worship things when they rank them higher on the priority list of who God is. That's simply what an idol is. It's preferring anything else above God and His glory and presence. That's it. And so when we say that our purpose as the church is to bring God glory by worshipping Him, what we are saying is our priorities are in the right order. And when our priorities are in the right order, everything else in life finds its proper place. 
this is our calling. This is what we are created. This is our purpose as the church, is to worship God. You know, let, let, let's just look at, at uh, Colossians 1. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, talking about Jesus. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. There it is. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Man, that's a beautiful passage. And friends, I'm convinced that if we had to peel back the layers on why us as Christians sometimes have the struggles we do, and while we sometimes fight the fights we do in life, it will be because we've got our priority list wrong. I'm convinced if we go deeper in, we'll, we'll, we'll see that we've simply substituted Jesus in first place for something else. I know this is true in my own life. You feel that tension in a relationship. You feel the strife in the workplace. You feel some, some kind of, of, of awkwardness somewhere that's usually an indication of, you, of God going, Hey, could you just could you just put me first in that in that thing um, again, please? I'm I'm second. Could you just could you just come back to your created purpose? And I'm convinced that if we just came back to that that heavenly priority list, we'll experience God's grace in a much more powerful way. Yes, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to raise your hands in worship all the time. I know it shouldn't be. <laughs> That's why you come to bring your sacrifice of praise to Him. Because in doing so, you show him that you value him. Finally, friends, people of the church, the purpose of the church, the power in the church. Let's look at Ephesians 3.20. I'm sure many of us here or listening would have quoted these words at some point in their lives. Or maybe you've shared this verse with someone. But note for a moment what this verse tells us about where the church fits into this picture when we read these powerful words. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory where? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, friends, it's such a humbling thought to me, that the creator of the heavens and the earth would choose you and me as the vessel for his power to be displayed in the earth. That is a radical thought. We are God's primary plan for his created will to be revealed on the earth. You know, that's, that's powerful for two reasons. If you think about it, if the church does not stand up and showcase the will of the Father and host his glory, who will? If we are the primary vehicle, if we are God's chosen plan, if we are the power of God in the church, the glory in the church, who will show that? And I wonder if the questions we're asking about our society right now wouldn't have already been answered had the church assumed her responsibility to influence the world and not be influenced by the world. And secondly, if God's chosen vessel to showcase his power is the church, if we're, if we're that plan, then you cannot have God without the church. It's a package deal, you see. You cannot have God 
without his people. In fact, if you want to get a little bit poetic here for a second on this topic, Ephesians 5. Uh, if you've been in a pre-marriage course, you've probably heard this, heard this verse or at a wedding. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. When we say you can't have God, the Lord, without his people, the poetic and theological meaning is you can't have the Lord without his bride. <laughs> it's the biblical representation of marriage, you see. So just quickly, last thing to say on the aspect of church hurt. Um, while the hurt may be real and fully justifiable, in your explanations to people of what happened and in your unpacking of it, just be very careful about how you talk about someone else's bride. The value of church, friends. <laughs> we, we are the bride of Christ. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. The people are the church, the purpose of the church, and the power in the church. And friends, I guess as I come to a close, the idea behind this, this shortened conversation was firstly to inspire some, some renewal of, of value and appreciation for what we are a part of, the, the, the beautiful thing called the church, the ecclesia, the assembly of the called out ones, this family to which you belong. And secondly, I hope that you'll also feel some renewed, in your, some, some renewed strength in your ability to carry this value and represent this value to other people so that others might also come to form part of what is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And I suppose having that goal, it leaves us with this question, right? What can we do? What do we do with the value that we carry? How do we, how do we roll this out, this, this, this purpose that we are all a part of to fulfill? What do we What do we do? How do we play our part in the continuing story of the church on the earth? Well, very simply, to come back to that poetic meaning of, of us being the bride of Christ, we simply fulfill our vows to the king. That's what we do. We fulfill our vows. We gather to worship God. We equip and encourage one another. We reach the world. You know, if the church wants to make a difference in the world, it must be different from the world. Salt is different from the food that it flavors, right? Fulfilling our vows means we embrace fellowship with other believers. We are a light to the world. We pray for and encourage one another and others. We help and we serve those who are in need. We are called to be holy as he is holy. And when the church com commits to fulfilling her vows, her role, when we are focused on encountering God in his presence, watch how he empowers us by his spirit to see lives changed for his glory. Can you say amen to that this morning, friends? Would you stand with me as we pray and wrap up this message this morning? As I said just now, thanks, Rob. Um, this is something that I really feel um, God has placed on my heart for, for this season, in a way. I, 
I suppose it, it also comes down to having a look at what's going around on social media at the moment and all the different perceptions of and, and you know, um, expectations of church and what it is. And I thought, you know, let's just share a little bit about what the Bible has to say about who we are as His people. And my hope is maybe we can kind of build on this idea as the weeks and months go by. But I guess my primary hope is, yeah, that we would have found, even if it's something, something small of a renewed value for this family that we are a part of. And I guess my prayer is simply going to be that we would, we would just come back to the biblical, to the biblical idea. And we would also encourage others who seem to have got that disconnection between their faith in God and the gathering of the church and also encourage them to, hey, just, let's just come back. Just don't quit because you had a bad instructor, right? Let's just come back to the heart. It's, it's about worshiping Him. Yeah, and so Father, we thank you so much that we are called your bride. What an honor that is, Jesus. You, you saved us. You have brought us out of darkness into your marvelous light. You have called us your own. You have chosen us. And Father, we stand so, so humbled, so honored uh, at, at this precious responsibility of being called your church. Father, we are sorry for where we've got it wrong. We're sorry for where we've, where we've messed up and where we've caused hurt. We pray that you would forgive. You would help us forgive. And you would bring about a beautiful reconciliation and a new strength in your church. Father, we pray for the church. Not only for this church, but for your church globally, this greater body to which we belong. We pray that you would be strengthened, that you would be protected that you would be fueled by your spirit to go into the world and carry the message of reconciliation to others. Father, ignite our every effort. Season our every conversation. Order our every step so that you might be glorified in your church. And we pray all of these things with thankfulness in our heart in the name of Jesus who rescued us and who saved us. And everybody said, Amen. Church, would you give God a shout of praise and worship this morning and adoration? Thank you so much. Um, thank you for being part of our service this morning. We hope that you enjoyed your time. Please feel free to stick around for a cup of coffee. Free filter coffee available as well. Otherwise, there's communion and uh, some um, giving uh, envelopes and prayer reports uh, cards over there as well if you'd like. There will be some team up front if you want personal prayer. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you on Sunday next week for a new series. God bless everyone. Thank you.